And now, the Time Fight fans all across the globe have been waiting for. It's the MTMV main card with your man, The Voice. As always, let's start off with some headlines and hot takes. First headline, we finally got the headlining event for UFC 230. That's right, at the mecca of them all. Madison Square Garden, one of the biggest shows that the UFC puts on every single year. There have been lots of rumors. Could it be Alexander Gustafson? Maybe he'll fight John Jones. Maybe he'll fight Yoel Romero. Who could it be? We just don't know. Well, now we know who it is. So many things have been floated out there. Could it be John Jones versus Stipe at heavyweight? I mean, just so many different matchups. And we got it. We got it. We finally got the headliner. According to Dana White, that is. The headlining fight is Valentina Shevchenko versus Sajar Eubanks. Yeah. Yeah, you remember Sajar Eubanks? You you know Sajar Eubanks, don't you? You, you? you know her, yeah. Tyron Woodley's cousin, number one. So, you know, respect. She comes from a fighting family. Also was slated to fight for the inaugural women's flyweight title from the season of tough that she was in but she was overweight and had kidney failure while trying to cut weight and couldn't do it so now though she fights on one of the biggest cards of the year which I'm not mad about for her sake but come on UFC Shevchenko was supposed to fight Yana Yandrechek the following month in Toronto. But when you moved it here, Joanna and rightfully so said, you know what, that's a little too early. I won't be ready in time and I need to be my best in order to fight. So she turned it down. And you uh, get someone who's had one fight in the UFC. One! Now, UFC's done this before. Joe Soto fought for the bantamweight title against TJ Dillashaw in his debut fight in the UFC. And that was because Henry Morale fell out the day before. Uh, Fell out literally in the tub trying to cut weight. Yeah, I'm speechless. I'm speechless. I know that the company has done a number of things to to gain control and to and to just do different things like look I, I don't care what the cost is we're going to do a b c x y and z because we need to retain control and that's what this is all about they can't allow the fighters to get enough control because what nick I'm sorry, not Nick. Nate and Dustin Poirier did last week talking about 
We were fighting for the 165-pound belt. Yeah. We were rejoicing. Sports fans rejoice. My team, my voice. Sorry, I had to throw that in there, too. But fight fans, we were rejoicing. We were like, yes, 165-pound division. That's needed. With the belt on the line, yes. Nate Diaz, star. Yes, Dustin Poirier. Just coming on like gangbusters lately. Taking out both Eddie Alvarez and Justin Gagey in fight of the nights. Yes, do it. But the UFC said no. They said no. They said no. Uh, Even Conor McGregor in the press conference on Thursday said it makes sense to have a 165-pound weight division. So, could it still happen? Hey, if Kyle has anything to do with it, maybe. And and Dana said that they're working on some other things for this card. So, who knows? Normally, when they're fighting at Madison Square Garden, there are three titles on the line. At the very least, two. But normally, there are three titles on the line. This time, it's only one. But really what's happening, and I'll talk about this more as the fight comes about and we really see what shakes out. But there are a couple things that are coming home to roost for the UFC. Number one, the need to have a pay-per-view with a title on the line. That's number one. You don't necessarily have to have a title on the line for a pay-per-view if the headlining bout is big enough. People have said, uh, some of my colleagues have said in the MMA media this week, and rightfully so, the biggest fights, the most profitable fights that the UFC has put on, yeah, the headliner was not a title fight. Conor McGregor versus Diaz one, Diaz versus McGregor two, not title fights five round fights big fights, big money you don't have to have a title on the line to do a pay-per-view and or cut back some of the pay-per-views that's something else is coming home to roost the oversaturation of the market with fights you got so many fights so many things going on and you just got to keep plugging and keep putting in and it's worked by hook or crook it has worked up to this point but they're getting to a point where they just can't pull it off anymore now had they opened up 165 that would have been a really nice way of keeping that party going and it's not over who knows we'll see Anyway, that's headline number one. Number two is that there have been changes in the way that USADA will make its announcements. And I found it interesting as this information came about. The UFC's policy was that as soon as someone had a potential positive test, that that information will be made known to the public in an effort to be transparent. Hey, I applaud that. I appreciate that. The issue is that two-thirds of the time they were right. 
one third of the time they were wrong. And for the one third that they were wrong on, it brings about shame and, and different things. And you're labeled something that you're not, which is a cheater. So they decided to do away with that. First person who really was impacted by this was Shooter Sean O'Malley, who will not be on UFC 229 because of being pulled for a possible USADA uh, violation. He's able to write the narrative and come out and say, hey, not sure what's going on. We think it's these caffeine pills I was taking because uh, I like to take them before I or have some coffee or something before I spar because it just, you know, helps me feel a little better. And that's not outside of the USADA guidelines, but these caffeine pills very well may have been tainted with something. Don't know. We're having it checked out now. But by doing so, he's able to control the narrative. What's scary about it is that could it be a situation that comes up where they don't say anything about it and they wind up covering things up because the transparency is not there as much. That's the kind. There's always a pro and a kind. One of the people who has been impacted most by USADA, at least over the past couple of years, has been John Jones. He sat down with Ariel Helwani recently and posted a, a piece, a written piece, and you can read it on ESPN.com. One of the things that he said in this discussion with Ariel that really stuck out to me, especially about USADA and about all of this, is coming back to fight for the title. He said he understands where DC is coming from with not wanting to give the title up or have it be stripped just for John to um, fight for it again. But he's like, look, I didn't intentionally cheat. And that's what the reports and all of the studies have shown is that the amount of whatever that was in me was so small and it was done during a time when I know I'm going to be tested and all of the other tests surrounding my uh, my fight have been clean. Why would I mess up? What You know, why would I do something on this one? Now, to Luke Thomas's uh, point, he's stated, you know, pulled these numbers from somewhere, but he said that on average, maybe 1% of the people are caught and about 40% of cheating is that he just kind of keeps messing up these uh, his cheating very well could be uh, but at least based on what you cite is very very stringent and detailed discovery has found and their research has found is that he wasn't doing this intentionally still don't know where it came from there are rumors as to where it may have come from. Something that John is saying and he says very paranoid about now is that he doesn't know if maybe somebody's spiking his stuff. So if he's going um, going out different places or whatever, he changes up where he goes and eats because he's afraid someone may be tampering with his food because he really just doesn't know where it's come from. One of the uh, rumors out there is that he was doing cocaine and it was cut with something that had something in it that very well could be you kind of can't say hey can you give me another batch of that cocaine you made up and let me have it tested to see if um 
if it pops positive for this, no, you know, you, you really can't do that. Um, who, who knows? We know that he was in rehab and he said in the rehab, uh, he was there learning about grief and how to properly grieve and how he's becoming himself again and separating Jonathan Jones from John Bones Jones. It's a good piece. You should go out and read it, but um, he's coming back. Looks like December 29th is the proposed date to fight Gustafson for the light heavyweight title. And he's not interested, or at least he says, he's not interested in fighting DC at heavyweight. Uh, And he applauds DC and welcomes him into the fraternity of champions because he feels like that win truly made him a UFC champion. All right, moving on to the last bit of news. Bellator, you know I can't leave you without some Bellator news. It's not all about the UFC on the main card. We got to mix it up and give you information about other promotions. And Bellator has stated that their heavyweight Grand Prix will take place at the Fabulous Forum in Inglewood on January 26th. That's where the final will be held. This time next week, uh, both of the semifinal fights will be on tap, but the final, the grand finale, will take place in the same place that it started, which is the Forum in Inglewood. That'll be on January 26th. Like I said, we can't just talk about the UFC. PFL, their playoffs are coming up uh, on Friday. Friday the 10th of, or I should say the 5th of October. You may be listening to this that day. Oh, you may not be. You may already know what's happening. Either way it goes, it's going down. And I touched on this as well as the one championship fight that will be taking place on Saturday, October 6th in Aftermath, where we give you the week that was in MMA. Me and my man Josh Musel chopped it up about Bellator 206, which was a phenomenal card. If you don't have the zone, you're missing out. You need to go ahead and do it because not only do they have uh, World Super Series of Boxing and uh, Matchroom Boxing, they also have um, Bellator, of course, but they've added Combate Americas, they've added KSW, they've added EFC, 80 plus fight cards a year. So you're getting one to two fight cards on average every week. Got two boxing ones that I'm going to talk about in the old one, too, coming up. But anyway, if you don't have this on, you're missing out. All right, back to one. Uh, they've got a card on Saturday. Talk about that a bit in Aftermath as well. This is a true mixed card. You got Muay Thai, kickboxing, MMA, and Western boxing. Uh, the WBC Super Flyweight title is on the line in the main event of that card. And from an MMA perspective, you got Shinya Aoki taking on F-10. Uh, Aoki is a former one champion in the lightweight division. F-10 has challenged for that belt unsuccessfully. 
and they will be fighting each other. A couple other fights uh, as well. I will touch on those in Aftermath, uh, but let's move on into the old one, two, and keep the party going. It's the MTMV Sports main card. Time to step between the ropes and into the squared circle for the old one, two. Talked about the zone a bit towards the end of headlines and hot takes. And this week marks the first card that the zone is putting on strictly for and from the U.S. market. This card is going to take place on Saturday, October 6th from Chi-Town. That's right, the Windy City. On this card, you got Arthur Baterbiev. I knew I was going to mess that name up. Anyway, he's taking on Callum Johnson. 12 rounds at light heavyweight for Arthur's IBF title. Also have Daniel Roman, ranked number four, taking on Gavin McDonald for Roman's WBA title. This is a 12-round junior featherweight affair. One of the biggest fights on this card and really being lauded as the headliner is Jesse Vargas, number seven, taking on Thomas DeLorme as a 12-round welterweight fight. You also have the big boys on this card. Jarrell Big Baby Miller, ranked number 10 in the world at heavyweight, taking on tried and true veteran Tomas Adamek. That is a 12-round heavyweight affair also. But the zone isn't stopping there. Told you, 80-plus fights a year on the zone. And... On Sunday, October the 7th, coming from Yokohama, Japan, you got the World Boxing Super Series quarterfinal match for the Bantamweight division with Naoyo. No, I messed that up. Naoya Inoue, who's ranked number two, number seven pound for pound. Taking on Juan Carlos Payano, who's ranked number five. Uh, there's some other fights, obviously, on this card, but that is the main one for that card. Okay, fight fans. Time to step out of the squared circle and between the ropes. And when we step into the cage, we'll be talking about UFC 229. Coming to you from the T-Mobile Arena in Paradise, Nevada. Arguably the biggest and greatest MMA event ever. It's UFC 229. Headline by the blood feud between 26-0 undefeated Habib. 
the Eagle, Nurmagomedov, taking on the 21-3, the notorious Conor McGregor for the lightweight championship of the world. Is there much more that I need to say to you about this fight? If you are listening to the main card, you're probably a hardcore MMA fan. And if you're hardcore, then you know the backstory. You know how at UFC 223 in April, Habib cornered and smacked up Connor's friend, Connor's main training partner in Artem Lobov. And not only did he smack him up, it was on on recording on blast for the whole world to see you know how Connor came to New York looking for Habib and through the dolly through the window entering people and turning that car upside down you already know about that you know about how much these two combatants dislike each other well guess what they are going to not settle things because Connor said it'll never be settled said that Habib and Ali need to watch themselves at all times because he's never letting it in but they'll at least get an opportunity to fight out their differences and do so in a controlled environment. You really don't have to say anything else. You need to see this fight. It's going to be amazing. Will Habib's chin hold up to the power that Connor has in his left hand? Will Connor's cardio keep him upright long enough to win the fight? Ah. <sighs> You gotta tune in to see. If you are unable to tune in to see, you know, you got things going on, you can't make it, uh, maybe financially you're not in a position to see it, don't worry. We here at MTMV Sports have you covered. Your man, The Voice, will be providing live video commentary from Ballpark Village here in St. Louis, Missouri. So, Make sure that you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, and or Facebook. I will be posting to all three of those platforms as soon as I possibly can between rounds and between fights. So if you're not able to see it, set next best way to know about it is through MTMV Sports. So that's the main event. The co-main event is the Voices Marquee matchup. It pits Elk Kui, that's right, the boogeyman, Tony Ferguson versus Anthony Showtime Pettis. Side note, it's Anthony versus Anthony. I just kind of noticed that. You got Tony, Anthony, just one person goes by Anthony, other person goes by Tony, but it's Anthony Ferguson, Anthony Pettis. Anyway, 
back to the voice of Marky Macho. Oh my goodness. So here's what made it for me. I was watching Embedded this week, episode number two. And in his preparation for the fight, Pettis is, you know, just playing around, doing some sparring. Man throws a jump spinning back kick. Or I shouldn't say back kick, jump spinning sidekick. Catches his training partner right in the diaphragm, doubles him over, and he just threw it like it was nothing. And it reminded me of the fact that this man's name is Showtime. Why is it Showtime? Because he does that stuff all the time, or he has in his career. Pettis is the man with the Showtime kick, the Matrix-style kick, who runs on fences. Who does that? Who thinks to do that? Anthony Pettis does. Now everybody else is trying to run off of fences and walls and jump and kick people. Salute to my man, Ben Henderson. That's still a sad day for me. Uh, that, that hurt my little heart when he kicked Ben like that. Anyway, back to this fight. I digress enough. Dude, you got this guy fighting one of the most creative strikers in MMA right now in El Kakui, Tony Ferguson. Not only are his training techniques just off the wall, no pun intended, um, and unique, his striking is too. His movement, his uh, the, the angles at which he brings strikes, what he decides to do at different times. Oh, my goodness. It is phenomenal. And you're telling me that they're going to go against each other? Are you serious? Oh, my goodness. If, now, I know Tony's going to bring it. Tony does not shy away from giving it his all every single time that he steps into the octagon. Pettis has been hit or miss. However, he said he's getting back to his roots, getting back to what made him champion versus listening to what everyone else is saying about what he needs to do and how he needs to uh, handle his career and his fighting style. If he does that and he does the things that I've seen in training, oh my goodness, we are in for a treat. Now, just like last week was really kind of a coming out party for Bellator, this week seems like the breakout moment for Tony Ferguson. Every time he has been in front of the media, he's been himself, which, you know, Tony marches to the beat of a different drummer. But he has captivated the media, captivated the audiences with the things he said, including an inspirational speech at the open workouts. He was sharing how he came back in five months from something that takes on average six months to a year to come back from. And he shared, he was like, look, you gotta have failure. You cannot have success without failure. And that Fight fans, it's one of the most important lessons that we can learn in this life. Don't be afraid to fail. Failure is not a bad thing. Failure helps you learn how to be 
successful. Oh my goodness. I'm fired up. I am motivated. I'm ready to go. Just thinking about that. You know someone else who's experienced failure? is Anthony Pettis. He knows what it's like to be at the top. Being on weedy boxes. Uh, just having all kinds of, of fame and, and the wealth that comes along with it. And he said, I'm getting back to what got me there in the first place. I gotta be me. I can't be anybody but me. On top of this, they have both been very respectful of each other when it comes to getting together for the fight. Tony's been like, look, Pettis is the most difficult fight that I could have in the UFC. I'm not concerned about McGregor. I'm not concerned about Habib. I'm concerned about Anthony Pettis because he's better than both of them. When Pettis was training, you heard Duke Rufus say, we got to get ready for the boogeyman. The boogeyman is coming. Didn't say anything negative about the man, but that he was a beast. And that, fight fans, makes me want to see this fight even more. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait to see these two expertly skilled martial artists using their God-given abilities to try to best one another. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be phenomenal third fight on the card you got Dominic the Devastator Reyes at 9 and 0 taking on 23 and 11 Ovince St. Prue at light heavyweight oh forgot to say the co-main event is at lightweight anyway Reyes could be a rising star in the light heavyweight division he's coming into his fourth fight with the UFC and he wants to keep that undefeated streak rolling as well as a stoppage streak the last time and the only time he had a decision was nearly three years ago in just his third professional fight all other fights have been stopped so of those eight fights six KOs and two submissions for OSP this will be his 18th fight in the UFC And if my numbers are right, or if my math is right, this is the 21st fight that he's he's had under the Zufa Endeavor banner because he had about five fights or so with Strikeforce. Three of them were during the time that Zufa owned Strikeforce. If you know about OSP, he's dangerous. He can knock you out with his hands. He can knock you out with kicks. He will put you in submissions and put you to sleep. Rename the Von Flu Choke the Von Prue Choke because he has been catching so many people in it and ending their nights with that. So by and large, this is the biggest, biggest fight that Reyes has had to date. Will he uh, rise to the occasion? Or will he wilt under the bright lights? We won't know till the pin drops, the cage door locks, thumbs go up, and they start the clock. Also on this card, a heavyweight affair, 20 and 5, Derek the Black Beast Lewis and Alexander Drago Volkov. Are you kidding me? 
You're kidding me, right? This was the co-main event until Tony Ferguson and uh, Anthony Pettis got on this card. Crazy fight. Phenomenal fight. Will the Black Beast be in health? Will Drago keep his undefeated streak going? Gotta tune in to see. We talked about this on Aftermath as well, so I'm not gonna go into it too much more. I will talk about the curtain jerker, which is 14 and 7 Felice Herrick, the little bulldog taking on 5 and 6 Michelle, the karate hottie Waterson. Oh my goodness, since taking a year off after losing to Paige Van Zandt back in 2015, Felice Herrick has had been at least on a roll, winning four in a row until she ran into cool Carolina Kovalkiewicz in April, and that put her back at square one. Whereas Watterson, on the other hand, she had a two-fight losing streak after beating Paige Van Zandt. Uh, she had a two-fight losing streak, and that came to an end in April when she beat the last person that Felice Herrick beat as well, which was none other than cast iron Courtney Casey Sanchez. Now, with four submissions and one TKO on her record, look for Herrick to try to grind out a win. Um, She doesn't want to really stand with the Karate Heidi because the Karate Heidi has excellent striking. I don't know if she necessarily wants to take this to the ground either, even though... Uh, Herrick has phenomenal wrestling. Yeah. Watterson has nine of her 15 wins by submission. So it's dangerous either place it goes for Herrick with Watterson. And it should be a phenomenal way to kick off what could be a historic night. Sports fans rejoice, my team, my voice. And to keep up with MTMV Sports, formerly known as Strength Star Sports, make sure that you are following us on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook. If you want to talk to me directly, I am the voice on all social media. If you want to get everything hot off the presses as far as MTMV Sports is concerned when it comes to podcasts Anchor.fm is the spot to do that but you can wait a little while you know a couple minutes or so then you can catch us on Spotify Apple Podcasts Google Play Stitcher if you have an Android Podcast Republic is a great place to get that content debate fuel is our flagship show and it airs live on saturday mornings you can get the audio podcast on mondays chop it up with us in the debate fuel facebook group it's there and available for you to talk sports all the time all sports doesn't matter what it is we will gladly debate it with you in the Debate Fuel Facebook group. Until next time, it's your man, The Voice, host 
of the MTMV Sports main card. And I'm sounding off. Thank you.